Hi, dear listener. So today's episode is all about understanding and engaging clients and prospects. We will talk about how we can deepen client relationships. What can we do to foster loyalty and repeat business? How to engage with potential clients and turn prospects into long-term partners? Also, how can we overcome challenges in client engagement that hinder business productivity? I hope you will enjoy this episode. Hi, it's Marilise and Laura. We created this podcast for you, a business owner and a marketer who wants to be connected, supported and inspired. Because no one wins alone. Thanks for being here and let's get started. Well, hello, hello, everyone. Today, we dive deep into human pattern recognition and discuss building better relationships for a more effective business. And I am thrilled to have a true expert with us today, someone who has worked with international clients like Disney Films and Gillette and high-profile organizations like the Australian Federal Police and Tax Office to help them understand what makes people tick. Welcome to our podcast, Alan Stevens. Thank you very much, Mary Lisa. It's really nice to be here. <laughs> How are you doing today? Everything good? Pretty good. I'm just hoping there's not too much noise in the background. We've got a bit of a thunderstorm happening at the moment. Oh, I don't hear anything, so I believe it's fine. Well, Alan, you are, <laughs> Excellent. you are an international profiling and communication specialist, regularly featured <clears throat> on those national television, radio and the world's press. Please share your story with us, with our listeners a little bit so we can get to know you better. How did you find your way to this uh, area? Well, I got here for the fact that I was dreadful at reading people. I'd been through uh, two divorces, a lot of broken relationships. I'd even, even had uh, business partners who uh, emptied out the bank on me. And uh, a progression of learning new skills since uh, 1975 when I was first put in charge of men who were older than me. I was 23 and my second in charge was 38 and I had to get them on side. So that was when I worked with our national telephone carrier. And so I started with body language and learning you know, how to read people. In the 80s, I moved on to what they call psychometric profiling, which is you know, Myers-Briggs and DISC, where we ask people questions and we try and work out from their responses, their personalities. And we put them into different boxes so that we, we think we know where they fit. And then uh, in the 90s, got involved with NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, so the language we use to try and steer a conversation. But in the early 2000s, I realized that I needed something better. It was after my second divorce and working for a company that uh, they brought me in because none of their students made any money. They were currency traders and they taught currency trading. And I realized I needed better uh, ways of reading people. And that led on to uh, looking at what they call face profiling which is, or reading faces, which is all about looking at somebody and knowing their personality. And then when we're uh, talking to them, using the right sort of language, knowing how to tune our transmitter into there, so to speak, and then into their receiver and uh, working out, uh, is there something emotionally going on? Have we read them right? And also, are they telling us the truth? So that moved into having a much better understanding of people. So a long progression over a lot of years, but finally came to uh, using four different sciences and I'd blend them in a way in which we deliver them as an art form. 
So hence the science and art of reading people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, thank you for sharing. I see you ha- you learn from challenging personal and, pro- and professional mm. experience yourself, like we all do pretty much. But mm. when we dive into human pattern recognition, it it may sound like a rather complicated topic first. <laughs> Please explain what, what it means. Well, first of all, it's some people think it's complicated, but as far as reading people goes, young children, except for a very small percentage who can't recognize facial features or facial expressions, the rest of us were brilliant at reading people. We had to be, it was part of our survival. We needed to know who was our family, who was mum, who was dad, who were the people around us that were safe to be around, who were the people that we didn't know. And then when we were communicating with them or we were around them, picking up their emotions and knowing what they were feeling at the time. So knowing if if somebody was there that we know that we shouldn't be around and that person was angry, put those two things together, we knew to get out of there very quickly. But as we get older, it's like any um, uh, exercises that we do, like building muscles. If we uh, stop exercising, the muscle atrophies. And that's virtually what happens as we get used to going to school, playing sports and all the other things, our mind shifts to other things. We don't practice it anymore and we don't need to as much because we now know who our family are. We've got used to picking up their emotions and everything else. So we don't have to be as conscious of what we're doing. And so we lose the skill. All I do is teach people what they knew when they were very young. So straight away when people think this is complicated, no, it's not. And that's the way I teach people to make it very easy for them to understand. Mm-hmm. But how can we start to practice it again? I mean, where, where should we start? <laughs> well, first of all, the first thing is to know the other person, but also know ourselves. Because knowing where you fit on the world scale is one thing. But if I don't know where I fit on the world scale, first of all, I don't know how to start talking to you. And so by being able to understand your personality, but also understanding my personality, then I use the words that are going to, con- that are going to uh, help me to connect with you in the way that you need to be spoken to. But I now know that how much I need to change the way that I like to be spoken to to be able to do that. And then being able to recognize that I've got the, uh, I've done it right. I've actually getting the feedback that I need. So when it comes down to it, and this may sound a bit woo-woo, a bit strange to uh, the people out there in your audience, but your facial features tell us everything about your personality. It's a history, you know, the what they call it the crevices and ridges that we create on our face are a history of how we like to think and process because while we're working, we pull expressions over and over. And if we pull the same expression over and over, working the same muscles, we're gonna create and develop different muscles in our face the ridges and crevices that we create and now become a roadmap of how we like to think and process. Not what we're thinking and processing, but how we like to think and process. Mm-hmm. And that makes all the difference. So that gives us a foundation. And then we know from there how to talk to that person. And then we use what we call micro expressions, little twitches on the face and the body language to tell us whether uh, we've read them right. And if there's anything emotionally going on, as I said before, if they're uh, telling the truth or not. Mm-hmm. So what I hear is saying is that understanding others starts with understanding ourselves first. That's but, right. But how can I read my, my own facial expressions or, or <laughs> <laughs> do you have some, do you do some tests for people or how, how does it work? 
Well, I teach people, first of all, to be able to look at their own photographs. Now, having a, a mobile phones, they come with the tools that we need. You can put them in selfie mode. And so you can look at yourself on the screen and you can look at your own facial features. Now, some of the facial features we look at, we look at from the side of the face. So it's hard to sort of look at your phone and turn your head very quickly and try and see what the side of your face is looking like. Mm -hmm. So you get somebody else to take the photographs for you. But then when it comes to the expressions, you can practice pulling the expressions by looking into the phone and knowing which muscles to use, work those muscles and be able to recognize the expressions that we make. And the more that we do that, the more we can notice it on other people. And so we practice on ourselves, first of all, because if we pull an expression, then we know the muscles that we use, we get a feel for it. And it makes it easier to actually see it in someone else's face. And by the way, as far as the micro expressions go, the face has 43 muscles in it. Most of the muscles are attached to each other. They're not attached to bone. That's why they believe that we can pull over something like 10,000 different expressions and 3,000 they've actually mapped. They've worked out which muscles are moving to actually create those um, expressions. Now you can sit down and learn all those expressions or you can focus on seven, which are universal. And that's anger, contempt, disgust, happiness, sadness, fear and surprise. And if you're feeling any one of those emotions, you'll have the corresponding expression on your face. And so when we're talking to people, we look for those expressions and see whether they match what should be going on at the time. You know, if you're talking about a good friend of theirs that's just broken up with their partner and you see a little twitch of a smile on your fa- their face, you know they're happy about it. But we don't know why they're happy about it. It could be that, yes, their, their friend was or their partner was a, not a very nice person. You think that they'd be better off now that that uh, partner's gone. Or it could be that, you know, you are hoping that they would break up because either the partner or your friend would be available, but you might be able to date them. So multiple reasons as to why, but we know that there's incongruencies of what's going on. And so we're looking for those. That will tell us what the person's feeling in the in the moment and knowing what uh, we're talking about, what's happening. We then know whether it's um, uh, they're telling us the truth. That is fascinating, Alan. And... I am not sure if that that is a good idea, but since we are using a video right now, maybe you want to maybe you want to share what you are reading from my facial uh, okay. expressions right now. Yeah. Well, to put your mind and everybody else's mind at rest here, when I do this, I'm looking to build a relationship. I'm not using it to manipulate anybody. Mm-hmm. I know that every trait we have has an upside and every trait we have has a downside. So if you're somebody who has what I call dramatic appreciation, they can really know how to express themselves. They are fantastic on stage. But when they do stress, they're very vocal about it as well. And for other people, that can be too much energy for the other people to take. So if we understand that, we know, okay, where I know the upside of your traits, I know where your strength is. I know when I look at your face that, and as I said, it's always done with respect. It's always about building relationships. When I look at you, first of all, I know you have a dry wit. So any conversation I have with you, I don't have to be worried about being too politically correct. I can be a little bit flippant because I know you're going to be just as quick to throw it back at me. And we can have a lighthearted conversation with a lot of laughter. Mm -hmm. I also know that you love, you're, you're adventurous. And would I be right in saying that you love to travel? 
Of course. How do? <laughs> how can you tell that? <laughs> it's actually in the cheekbones themselves. But I know, as I mentioned a moment ago, with somebody who has dramatic flair, you have what I call aesthetic appreciation. So this one is about how things feel inside. So I know that when you're working on something and you're really involved in it, and it looks like it's stressful, you know, you're really focused, I know not to come over and uh, drag you away from what you're working on. I know to leave you alone to focus on it. If you're, you go quiet, I don't come over to you and say, you know, what's going on? Tell me what's going on. Because that's what the dramatic appreciation person would do, because they need to know. I would come over to you and say, look, first of all, is it anything to do with me? And if you said no, I would then say, is there anything that um, I can help you with? If you said no, then I would say, well, Marilise, I know that you need to work on this on your own. So I'm going to leave you to do that. But when you get it to a level where you can come and talk to me about it, can you do that? Because I care. I want to know. I want to, I'd like to be able to help. So now I've stopped chasing you into your cave because somebody keeps asking you what's going on. You're going to keep withdrawing mm -hmm. and move away. So I've made it now safe for you to just sit down and work on what you need to work on. But you also know that I haven't just given up on you because I've said, come and talk to me when you've got it worked out because I care. So you still know I care, but I also care enough to leave you alone to work on it as well. So it's, I'm giving you that space. It's not me needing to know what's going on with you. I put that as secondary. And that so this is, so is how we work it in relationships to create a stronger relationship. And can people learn that? I mean, can I trick others with my facial expressions? Well, with this, this is your facial features and they don't change overnight. Mm -hmm. It's a combination of all the traits together as well. Because <laughs> I know that you analyze things. You need to get all the information first before you make a decision. But mm -hmm. once you've made your decision, it's given me the best way to do it. Get out of the way and let me get it done. So you, mm -hmm. you're driven by action. You don't want to look at all the different possibilities. You just want to know the best way to do it. Because doing all the other stuff would be just wasting your time. Mm -hmm. Your power is in getting things done. That's why if somebody else has the opposite uh, traits where they are very good at looking at all the possibilities, if there's a new project, you would give them the job of coming up with the best way to do it. Then I'd take that and I'd give it to someone like you who would get the job done. So people with opposite traits become great uh, team members. Mm -hmm. Whereas at school, those same uh, people that are the opposite to you wouldn't have been your friends. Mm -hmm. It would have been people with similar traits to you who would have been closer to you, the ones that you would have liked and you would have hung around with. But uh, what I like to point out to school kids is that when you leave school, those people that you hang around with at school who like the same people that you like, especially the partners who also like the, doing the same things you like doing, they're going to be your competition when you go looking for a job. The people who you didn't get on with because they were completely different to you. They didn't like doing the things that you like to do. They didn't like the people that you liked. Well, then when you go to work, they're the people who will take the jobs that you don't want to do, and they'll happily do those because they love to do it. Teams are made up of people who are different. So recognizing differences in people allows us to understand how to talk to them in a better way so that we have that better connection, but it also helps us to understand and how to create better relationships with them. This is why every school child should learn how to uh, use these skills to change the mm -hmm. what it's like in the playground. So removing bullying and all the rest of it because they get to understand each other and they appreciate the differences of the other child. And so it's a much happier time in the at school. We then help them to uh, 
understand where their strengths are, so directing them onto the subjects that would be supportive of the jobs that will be match their personalities. So now when they go through their schoolwork, they do subjects that align with what they should be doing when they go out into the workforce. So they, they enjoy schoolwork because things that we love doing, we do well at, the things that, you know, so things we do well at, we should love to do as well. So if we do that as a courses at school, we're gonna be happier at school, we're gonna be more productive. Then we go out to the workforce, we end up getting a job that matches our personality, not one that, you know, somebody, you know, our parents might have said, oh, become an accountant because you'll make a lot of money. They're always going to be needed. But mm-hmm. if it doesn't match your personality, you're going to need to make a lot of money to pay for your medical bills to cover all the things mm-hmm. that uh, damage to your body because you're not happy with your life. Because mm-hmm. we know if we're not happy, it has a physical effect on our body as well. So human recognition uh, patterns should be part of the school program already. Is it mm. a part of a school program in Australia, where you come from? Well, working on it at the moment, um, one of the things I've found, and this is, you'll find this in most education systems around the world, mm-hmm. nobody wants to take responsibility for anything. So I've had the Australian, um, uh, the ones in New South Wales where I live, they've all said to me, prove this overseas. If it's working overseas, then we'll have a look at it. When I went to other countries, I got the same thing over there. Well, if you can prove it where you are, then we'll have a look at it over here. So it's a bit of a catch-22 situation. So I decided instead of going through the departments of education, I would uh, find some really great teachers and teach them how to use it. They were worried, first of all, they'd say, oh, if, uh, if our students or the families of their students know that we're reading their faces, how will that go down? I go, well, you're using the skills to um, read them better, but it's how you treat the children. Are the children treated better? Are they uh, enjoying their schoolwork? Are, are their academic levels going up? How that's done then, nobody's going to care. So apply it, use it and get the results. And then later on, you can tell all the other teachers and other people around you, well, this is a skill I use because once it's been proven, then everybody wants to use it. I've got a um, uh, lovely uh, lecturer over in, uh, associate uh, lecturer at the Griffith University, or Griffith College in Dublin, who's doing one of my courses at the moment were seven weeks into a 10-week course and six the six week previous weeks she's given me a, a review video where she's talked about what she's learnt that week, how she's applied it, the impact it's had on the kids and the impact it's had on her improving her abilities as an educator. And the last one was talking about how every principal, every school teacher and every careers counsellor, especially in secondary school, you know, in the high schools, should be using the skills. So I, by helping people and they put it in place, that's when they, and, and the psychologists I've trained, who mostly psychologists are very much against it. They, they're always this phrenology, you know, bumps on the head with, would be about someone's character. Well, I'm talking about personality, how somebody likes to think and process, not what they're thinking and processing. So two different things. And so two people who look very similar, they may have, one could be a saint, one could be a sinner. One's trying to figure out how to help everybody and the other one's trying to, help themselves at everyone else's expense they may look similar but their character can be totally different but their personality the way they work through things be the same so understanding that now you are using the body language and expressions you can really work their character out very quickly in a short conversation and so you know 
the people who are using other people very quickly get caught out. And that's why I want to get into the hands of stu uh, students, teachers, parents, and get, get it into the workplace as well, because it's a way of helping to remove bullying in the workplace, help bosses to be more effective where they can go and work on their business. And the only way they can work on their business is if their staff are working in the business and happy to work when they're not even there. And so the, the boss can go away and help bring new customers in and all the rest of it, or you know, whatever they need to do, and know that the staff back at their office are diligently working away, not only working away, but trying to figure out new ways of improving the business at the same time. And you can only do that when you can read them and treat them with the greatest respect. I love that. So let's talk about, you know, what are the benefits for our business? And I'd like to touch um, in marketing for a second, because the way I see is that marketing is all about building relationships with clients, mm -hmm. offline and offline. So we need to make sure, you know, people know, like, and trust us. Mm -hmm. So what's in it for, for marketing or how can we align human recognition knowledge in our marketing communication? Well, what we're doing there, when you're doing marketing, you're actually researching the, the industry and everything else. You're in, mm -hmm. researching your clients. You're researching whether that's the product they want in the first place. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to face-to-face, uh, -face, well, you're able to read the person. You know how to talk to them. Because as I said, I know that you like to analyze things before you make a decision. <laughs> so with that, if I just gave you the overview, you'd be asking me questions all the way through and interrupting me when I'm trying to make sure I got it all out on the table, you'd be pulling me back all the time. But if I said to you, look, I know there's there's a lot of information in here, but so I don't forget anything, can I put it out on the table first? I'll give you an overview, then we'll go back and spend as much time as you want to. And ask, you can ask all the questions you want to ask. So now you know, I, I know I can get it out on the table, we explain the whole thing, what it's all about, and then we can go into the specifics and you can ask all the questions to make your decision. So in marketing, we can we know how to ask those people those questions, we know how to address it so that we get answers that are more conducive to the truth of what that person's really feeling. Because if somebody, if we don't connect with them, like tune our transmitter into their receiver, the other person's not comfortable. And if they're not comfortable, they don't fully understand what we're trying to get across to them, then the responses we're going to get aren't going to align very well. And so now that we don't even know whether we've got the right market. And then when it comes to sales, we can then look at somebody and know how, like I just said, you like all the information. If you're talking to somebody who just wants the overview and you're presenting to them, you would talk the way that you like to be spoken to, which would be tell them a little bit and tell them all about that little item and go to the next and tell them all about that. How many times have you spoken to somebody, everything's uh, it's going along beautifully, then all of a sudden they've switched off. Or from the beginning, they've been trying to finish your sentences off and trying to rush you along. Well, if you can read their personality, you know how to then talk to them in the way in which they feel that you're having a conversation with them. You're not just talking at them. And you can see how that would work with your children as well. That's a great point, because otherwise you will be wasting so much you know, time and energy, um, mm. not your own, but also you know your clients. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, because in sales, we, we, we're looking for the feedback. See, the, the face will tell us as well exactly how that person likes to, to buy. I know that you like the service. The service is important to you. Mm -hmm. Whereas some people, it's the value that's important. 
And when it comes to the value being important, yes, they might want the service, but it's got to be at the right price. Whereas your focus is more on the service itself. So mm-hmm. you go to a restaurant, for instance, you want the food to look great on the plate. You want the, the ambience of the place to look really nice. You want the waiters and the waitresses and that to treat you well. You want to be able to talk to them, com- have a conversation. If you ask them about a particular plate, you know, tell us more about this. You like to have that conversation with them. Whereas somebody who's really focused on the money side of things, the value, they will be asking, well, look at the price on this. You know, that's, that's pretty expensive or whatever. <laughs> so straight away, you know, the person who's doing the selling at the time can talk about the value they're going to receive with this. Like in real estate, for instance, in your case, I'll be talking about the, the house itself, the people around it, the great atmosphere, the fact that it'd be a great place to have, invite people over to be able to show off your house and everything else, great place for uh, dinner parties and things like that. And if your partner was all about the money side of things, I'd be talking to them about the great value they're getting on this property. They're buying it below market over the coming years. It's going to increase in value. And when I'm talking to you about, oh, yes, it's close to the shops and everything else, you'll be able to spend more time if, when you go to the shops, take time out to have a coffee and things like that. I'd be talking to your partner about because it's so much closer, you may not even have to use a car to drive it down there. But if you do, it's going to be so much closer, you'll save on petrol. you save on wear and tear on the car. So I can use the language that's associated to what the face is telling me. Alan, I feel like I'm an open book right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's even, you know, a little bit scary that you read me so well. But but, um, let's talk about um, how can we overcome, you know, challenges in client engagement that hinder this business productivity? Because I believe this is something that our listeners are struggling. So can you bring some samples here as well? Yeah, well, as I said, when you talk in their language, you make better connections. I had a client who um, he had, he was just made a quote on a couple of a commercial building. He had two people who were business partners who had come to him, and they he wanted they wanted him to give a quote on building a commercial building. It was for uh, childcare, and it was in one of the other states away from where I live. And uh, he said he'd quoted two million dollars on the building, and they wouldn't go above one point six million. And he said, they're no longer talking to us. This is not working. He said, this, the, t- the deal is falling off the table. So I got him to show me their faces. He found one on LinkedIn and the other one on Google. And uh, I had a look at their face and I said, "Rightio, which one are you talking to about the money? He said, oh, who's the senior partner? And he said, this one. And I said, well, he's about the servers. Stop talking money. Talk to him because this was going to be the first of a number of buildings. So if this is going to be the first building, it has to be spot on. So talk to him about to be able to get the clients to come in and be able to have that uh, reputation of being really great in the industry and therefore being easier to get the other uh, branches uh, opened up as well. Talking about how it had to be the ambience of it, the, the aesthetic appearance and everything else had to be spot on. I said his business partner is about the money, but he's also somebody who doesn't like to do long term projects. He likes to get in, get finished and move on to the next one. He likes variety. So while you're talking to the senior partner, talk to him about how the, the, the service and everything else, the appearance and everything else, the building has to be spot on. Then turn to his partners and say, look, and when we do that, you'll get the clients in faster. You'll be able to make more money, which means you'll be able to move on to the next project sooner. 
and they'll get all of the buildings built faster than you had originally anticipated, and then you'll just be making the money. Well, in that conversation, he added another $150,000 to his original quote and signed him off on it. Wow. Because he was talking their language. When he was talking to the senior partner before and you know, almost arguing about why he was charging so much and why they, the, the, uh, the partnership needed to pay so much for the building, he wasn't mm -hmm. listening. His partner was, but he wasn't making the decisions on that. As soon as he started speaking service to the first one, he made that connection. Then he was able to go on to the saving of the money and the value of it to the other one. So the other one then saw by paying the over the $2 million in the, in the, um, uh, the quote to have the building built, he saw great value because they'd be able to get all of the branches done faster and they'd make more money sooner. So he then saw the return on investment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's where it comes down to in sales. We're always looking at, well, it's a case of, it's what I call, a friend of mine says, well, the ATM equals the ETM. The ATM being your money machine, you know, your bank, mm -hmm. and the ETM mm -hmm. being the energy that the person, uh, the, the feelings, the emotions that they get from it, the time that you help them save, the money you help them make, save, or the money you help them make. But in those three things, plus also the, the fact that you're solving a problem for them and you're removing their worry and stress. And if you're doing that, the people then can see the return on investment. So whatever you're selling, you can then relate to, well, if they're going to get a massive return on investment, those people at the moment who are struggling with their sales and their marketing can turn around and actually increase their prices and get more sales and, and uh, uh, clients in the process because they then focus on, yes, if I can read the person, I know how to talk to them the best way, I can really connect with them, I can therefore find out more about what they really need and what they really want, and then I can then show that I've got a service that will provide that, removing their worry, removing their stress, saving them time, saving them money or making them money, and uh, giving the emotional feelings that they want. And the person goes, well, I might be paying $10,000 for something, but I'm making five, ten times that amount in the return. And as we know, when it comes to um, uh, business, it's not the money that we're spending. It's a return on investment that we're making when we spend that money. So you, you, you mentioned there are personality types who are not so much maybe into long-term relationships, but as you already know, I am all about <laughs> building relationships. Mm. And... Uh, and most businesses, I think, should be about, you know, building those relationships. So if we mm -hmm. want to engage with potential clients and turn prospects into long-term partners, mm -hmm. can we do that with everyone or not? Because I just understood that there are people who, who, does, who do not prefer that. Yeah, well, you're going to find, they talk about an 80-20 rule. The 80-20 mm -hmm. rule, the first one I was shown, was where you take the 20%, divided in half, the first 10% of people, mm -hmm. they will buy anything off you. You know, Eskimos will buy ice off you if you've really got that great personality connection. Then you have the 10% the at the very far end. They wouldn't even buy a fire extinguisher off you if, even if they were on fire because the personality clash is so bad. The 80% in between is where we make our money. When we can't really build relationships very well, 
We've got the 10% that we'll buy from us and we've got the early part of the 80%, we'll be able to deal with them. But as we go along, we get less and less, uh, uh, what do you call it, conversions. But if we're able to read them, we can go a lot further up that line before we get to the point where they're no longer, you know, it's hard to get them converted. So we actually increase the total number of people that we can connect with, the more that we can understand their personality and talk to them in the way that they need to be spoken to. Because as you said before, it's about the person liking you and then uh, trusting you. And that I break that into, because people go, know, like and trust. And I go, well, hang on, mm -hmm. know and like is the first stage. Then trusting you is the next stage. Mm -hmm. And I always break those in half because in business, I believe in collaborations. I believe in cooperation. I believe in advocating for other people. Mm -hmm. If I talk about you to other people, 80% of people will listen to me. If you talk about yourself to the same people, the statistics show it's about 7% will listen to you. That's why advertising doesn't work really well because they haven't got to know and like you at that point. Mm -hmm. But if I'm talking about you and I've already got to the point, if they like me, they will listen to me. And if I'm talking about you, I'm talking about you in a favorable way, then that goes really well. So now they've got a bit of a liking for you. So when they meet you, that connection is a lot warmer mm -hmm. and you don't have to work as hard to build the trust with them because they've already got the transferred trust from me. So this is why being able to not just read your clients, but your suppliers, the people who are going to be talking to your, um, your customers, your staff. You know, by putting your staff, and people say, oh, but I've got to put my uh, customers first, you know, and I've got to then work with the staff. No, you put your staff first. You treat them in a way in which they feel that they belong, they contribute, they're valued, because everybody needs that to be productive. And then they would be the ones who actually deal with your customers. So when you put your staff first, you're actually putting your customers first. Mm -hmm. But if you go out and just put your customers first, your customers might feel great with you, but they're going to deal with staff who aren't happy. It's not going to be long until your customers aren't happy either. Mm -hmm. So you get to your customers through your staff. And if you do that, you then don't have, you don't have to micromanage your people. You can not only go away for the day, you can go on holidays and know that the people in the organisation will not only keep it running, but probably come up with ideas on how to improve it because they get a vested interest in it because they feel they belong, they contribute their value. I agree 100% because our, our staff is, they are like our number one marketing team, I would say. Mm. <laughs> that's, that's it. That's, yeah, that's perfect. So... Um, Please tell me, where can people find you online? Because I know they want to connect with you. They want to find out more about what you do, because we could talk like hours here. <laughs> I can feel that. <laughs> so please tell, where can people find you? Of course, we put the links next to this episode yeah. as well. But yeah, Well, as you noticed, I can talk forever as well, so I don't have a problem <laughs> with that. But uh, one of the best places is to find me on, is on LinkedIn. Uh, mm -hmm and just look up, you can look for Alan Stevens. I think I'm connected to about seven other Alan Stevens around the world. Um, and I know one of them's a speaker in England, but if you go in there and look for reading faces, then you'll find me pretty uh, quickly. And I think I'm the only one that uh, looks like Papa Smurf with the old beard here. So that's another way of making sure you found me pretty easily. The other place it's is sweet. on uh, Facebook and that's also with reading faces as well. You'll get my group page and, uh, you know, I'd love to have people come and join and mm -hmm. 
everything's about helping other people because we get a lot more when we help other people. So I'm always happy to share our tips and people go out and get the benefit from those because that always brings them back. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. Um, before I go to the, to the last questions, um, I wanted to ask about your opinion about uh, the disc profiles, because this is what I have learned. Mm. And this is um, what we teach at Powerful Marketers Community as well, you know, mm. how to approach different uh, uh, personality types, how to recognize them and how to approach them in marketing and sales. Mm. So just your thoughts about DISC. Right. Well, I used to use DISC and Myers-Briggs and a whole bunch of other systems mm -hmm. back in the 90s and early 2000s, but then I moved on to this. And I'm not putting DISC down because DISC has a place. If somebody's applying for a job, doing a psychometric profile and putting that in a job application online, if you've got a thousand people applying for a job and it's one position, the last thing you'd want to do is to sit down and face profile of a thousand people. So you want to be able to use a system to cull them down. If you're doing a project with your staff, you want to get them engaged and doing a bit of work together, doing a psychometric profile like DISC is a good way of doing things because it engages them. But remember that when you fill those out, and this is where originally when I filled out a Myers-Briggs one, I, I worked for Telecom at the time, and when I first filled it out, I came out as an ESTJ, Extroverted Sensing, Thinking and Judging. Many years, and that's firstly a military organisation, and that's the way Telecom was as well as far as looking at faults, dealing with clients and everything else. But a number of years after I left there, I was part of a, um, a charity group and I was on the board of the charity, and the lady who actually tested me with the Myers-Briggs back in telecom was also on the charity as well. And she, uh, she, she remembered me from telecom, and she said, by the way, what um, did you come out with when we did the test? And I said, ESTJ. She said, no, you can't be. You don't function that way. So she then got me to sit down and do it again. But before I started, she said to me, you may not have heard us went in telecom, but do it as if it's a perfect world that you, you had nobody telling you what to do or anything else, fill it out that way. And when I did that, I came out as an INFP, the opposite on all the four of them, completely opposite on all of them. And she said, well, how did you work in telecom? Well, simply because I didn't need to be that personality. I had a people focus, so I was able to, they took over the extrovert that I wasn't. At the same time, as intuitive, I was able to work things out that others couldn't you know, work out. I had a strong gut feeling for things. So I was able to diagnose some very uh, technical faults because I worked in the computer section. So those mm -hmm. things worked well, but we find that when we ask people questions, they will try and second guess it. When I was teaching and working with a company that taught currency trading, we put people through profiles there, both Myers-Briggs and DISC. When they went live with their trading, they operated completely different. And when I asked some of them, well, why is your personality completely different to what we got in the assessment. They said, well, we tried to figure out what type of a personality we had to have to be a good trader. And I'm going, no, when you're stressed, no matter how you can be, learn to behave, when you're stressed, you'll always revert back. I need to know that. Mm -hmm. So what I'm t saying to people, if they're using DISC at the moment, keep using it. If it's working for you, keep using it. But if you had um, a job application and you use that to cull the numbers down, when you bring the people into the interview, then you complement it by reading their faces and then working out are they really who they said they were in the profile. Because again, when you ask people questions, you've got gender issues, you've got uh, education issues, you've got age issues, you've especially got emotional issues on the day. 
How's that person feeling? So if they're feeling really happy, they'll fill it out in one way. You put them through the same test another time when they're not happy, they'll come out with a different result. And so that's why the face profiling is always going to be that complementary thing, that step above that will take you to the next level with it. Well, thank you. That is extremely valuable what you're sharing, Alan, with us. So last but not the least, please share an empowering song for our Spotify list and a quote. Well, the um, Life Rewards Action that was put out by the um, uh, JB Harvey from the Authentic Education Group, it's one of their clients wrote it. And it's, it focuses on taking small steps. A lot of people go, they're going to rush out and they're going to build all these things. They're going to do things and therefore they never do. The old adage of just taking 1% movement each day, adding another percent better, another percent better. If you don't add anything to it, it's still going to be the same a year later. But if you add 1% to it each day, it's 37 times greater in a year's time. So it's that, mo that compounding effect all the way through. So just take small steps. And that's what this song's all about. It reminded me of that. I've actually made it my um, alarm clock in the morning. So I wake up with that to remind me how to start the day each day. I so love life that. rewards that's, action. That's inspiring. <laughs> that is inspiring. And I also know that you have a very powerful quote to share with us. Yeah, well, I've always looked at the point that the first half of my life, I was always trying to build relationships for myself. And because of that, it wasn't really that effective. When I helped other people build their relationships, I've got massive number of relationships that I never had in the 50 years before. The last 20 years, I've got, you know, it's completely changed. And that's because I focus on other people. So as they say, what you do for yourself dies with you. But what you do for others and for the community is and always will be eternal. So when you put other people, and I think it was Zig Ziglar who said, when you help enough people get what they want, you'll always get what you want. Yep. yep. And that aligns with that, uh, that verse as well. Mm-hmm. And and that aligns, you know, with the, with how I think and what I believe, because, as you know, we are building a community here and uh, and that really resonates with uh, with what we are doing. So once again, thank you so much. It's been incredible having you here and uh, thank you for sharing uh, great insights with our listeners, Alan. No, it's been my total pleasure and I hope they got a lot out of it. Thanks very much. Thank you. And dear listeners, hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And of course, here's a special invitation. Join our Powerful Marketers community to connect with fellow listeners, share your insights and stay updated. I hope to see you there. Thanks and take care. No one wins alone. Be connected, supported and inspired inside the Powerful Marketers community. Find the link in the show notes.